0: There is no getting out of what we're going through without serious difficulty. And we have to face it. I believe the only true way to walk through difficulty is to be so full of the Word of God. To have so much of the written Word of God imprinted on us that we meditate on, that we speak, that we proclaim, and that we walk in and walk out. I think that's the only way we're going to make it. Let your dad drop dead and see how you feel. Be on the verge of a nervous breakdown and see how you feel. Go broke and rent a house inhabited by cockroaches and borrow money from your witted mama and see how you feel about life. You know, that's been my road. And I still love the Lord. I'm still involved in the ministry. I met a guy yesterday, 65 years old, been the ministry all his life. I honored the fella tremendously. You know why? He's still in the ministry. Let me say this. Even with a divine visitation, Mary had to respond this way. Verse 38. Let it be to me according to... Your word. And that's when the angel left. Be it unto me according to your word. Alright, here's one divine intersection. When an angel shows up and begins begins to speak to you personally about your future. But you can still walk away from that if you wanted to. Ah, hmm. Think of the implications. Nine months pregnant, never known a man. Everybody's going to believe that. What happened to you? (laughs) Or Moses. Think about Moses. Moses goes to between one and two million Hebrew slaves and says, I'm getting you out of here. They say, oh, yeah? Yeah. How you know you're going to get us out of here? The Lord told me. What Lord? Jehovah. What's he like? He lives in a bush. You look up Deuteronomy 23, I think it is. It talks about the God who dwelt in a bush. Dwelt means abide or dwell. He was not just there that day when Moses came by. The Bible plainly tells us he had been there a long time. And so Moses goes into the, children, into the children of Israel and says, I'm going to get you out of here. How are you going to get us out of here? I've got a great God. What's your great God like? He hadn't done much for us in 430 years. Oh, he's okay. He lives in this bush. And he's fire. Then Moses says to the Lord, okay, you're going to... Listen, Lord, this is a rough crew. How do I know for real you're going to get them out of here? Give me a sign, Lord. How many of you want a sign? God's going to help you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Help me, help me, help me, help me. The Lord says, here. Here's the sign. After you do it, I'm going to meet with you up here on this mountain. That was the sign the Lord gave him. <laughs> Here's how you know if the Lord spoke to you. Give it a shot. <laughs> I came in here this morning, I thought, Mores, well, there's nobody here from California except the people I came with. And that's a cheap shot to give a word to the people you came with is a word of knowledge about stuff you already know about them. <laughs> How will I know that word's the Lord? Well, give it. People judge prophecy before they give it. You're supposed to judge prophecy after you give it. That indicates there's some prophetic things you say that are wrong that don't disqualify you from being involved in prophetic ministry if the Bible makes allowances for it and gives us instruction on how to pastor it or steward it. Anyway, heavenly visitation. How did Mary respond? Be it unto me according to your word. Boy, we could just get up every morning, go find a scripture, read that scripture, and say, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Twenty years ago, the Lord was encouraging me to read the Bible. You know what I told him? I said, Lord, I read that. I've already read. I've read everything in there. I hadn't seen it, though, had I? No. All right. Number one, divine visitation is an intersection. Number two, time to go. I mean, um, from the shallows to the depths. Being willing to start small is an intersection. Don't despise What? They have small beginnings. People don't want to start small. They want to start big. People don't want to start sweeping. They want to start directing. God has called me to run this company. Good. i hand you a broom. Let's get started. When you're good with that, we'll give you a brush and a rag for the commodes. And you start the natural progression. Here's one problem. Jesus makes us or expects us to start in the shallows before He'll take us to the depths. How many of you know that's true? Look in Luke 5. I won't go there because our time is narrow and my notes are voluminous. In verse 3, He said, Let's put out a little from the land. He said, Let's go out in the shallows. And He taught them from the shallows. And then those who were willing to get in that boat and go into the shallows, he said, let's launch out into the deep. And then when he was out in the deep, he had to mess their brains up. God's gonna, if, if, if the only way we're gonna get anywhere is if God messes with our thinking. Our thinking has got us thus far. He has got to change the way we think if we're going to change the way we are and if we're going to change what's around us. We're not thinking straight. Jesus says to Peter, he says, listen, cast your net out for a great catch. And Peter says, Lord, we've been doing that to the point of utter exhaustion all night long. Then he remembers who he's talking to. He says, nevertheless... See, he's negotiating. Mary negotiated from, How's this going to happen to be it unto me according to your word? Peter negotiated from, This ain't going to happen, but uh, I'm going to give it a shot if you say so. You're not going to start out in faith. That ought to comfort all of us, but you can get there through a negotiation. Nevertheless, at your word, they cast their nets out and they catch so many fish. The carpenter's teaching the fishermen how to fish. So many fish that both boats almost sink and they tear their nets up. I thought yesterday when I read that, you know, it would seem like if God could have given them all those fish, he could have at least kept their nets from getting torn up. But here's what that says. When things don't work out, even when he moves, it doesn't mean it wasn't him. Stuff's going to happen. This isn't some perfect world. Your nets will get torn up. Well we're gonna have this big thing go on and a hundred people get saved and one guy got his foot stung by a bee and another guy broke his leg on a skateboard well that wasn't God for us to have those meetings. Ridiculous stuff's gonna happen. People have feet and legs and skateboards, and bees exist. That's deep, isn't it? Hey, listen, the better I get to know the Lord, the simpler I am. And I was a very arrogant, complex person last week. (laughs) From shallows to the depths. The river of God. I'm not getting in that river unless it's (laughs) deep. If you had jumped into the river of God as it left the throne room, you would have gotten paralyzed because it was only ankle deep. Because even the river of God starts out, woo! Now just get in there and splash around a little bit. I'm not getting in there. That's not deep enough for me, brother. (laughs) You won't get any. That's the only river. (laughs) That's right. It went 1,500 feet. And then it got knee deep. And then it went 1,500 feet and it got waist deep. Can you imagine playing in that little. Then up to your knees, feeling stupid. This is the river of God, sure. Just keep going. If you wait to where it's a river too big to cross over, you jump in and drown. you got to get used to God. He's not like you. He's not changing. <laughs> <laughs> he likes you, but He's not like you. Over a mile and a quarter, they had to play in that river before it was so broad to cross Over. Where it healed the seas, healed the nations. Why isn't everybody getting healed yet? Oh, the river's not there. But you got to stick with the river. You've got to stick with the water. Humiliation keeps many people from the shallows. I'm not doing that. Remember when the renewal came? I'm not doing that. That's too shallow all those people do is roll around on the floor and laugh. (laughs) I know plenty of people whose life's changed in the shallows. I pummeled Jim uh, Jim Hill until uh, I was so exuberant about the ankle deep that I broke Jim's rib jumping on him in a meeting. (laughs) I didn't mean to. See, if the water had been deeper. (laughs) But see, he was on his back in the ankle deep when I hit him. If he'd been knee deep, he'd have probably made it all right. We need more of the river of God. We need to keep pursuing the Lord. We need the river to ski on. Okay. Humiliation keeps people from the shallows. Humiliation pe- uh, keeps people out of the foolish. But listen, the Bible says plainly that the things of the Spirit are foolishness to them that don't believe. Utter foolishness. That's ridiculous. How could that be? Well, what do you want? Like spires and conical hats on the preacher and gilded, uh, what, you know, why not foolish? The other stuff doesn't work that good. Just give it, you know, my, just give it a shot. Move in God. Move in God. (laughs) Move in God. Leviticus chapter 8. Let's go there a second. Another intersection of humiliation. No one bothers. No, I'm not going to say it that way. I'll lose you right up front. Genesis. Leviticus. I have to ease into it. Ankle deep. Aaron and his sons were consecrated as the priesthood. If you ever study the priesthood, here's what you find out: God first wanted the whole nation as the priesthood, and that wasn't working. And so he had the Passover, and the firstborn of every family would be the priesthood. And after uh, Aaron and the golden calf episode, the Lord said, that's not working either. Um, Aaron's family took up swords and killed a bunch of people. And for some reason, the Lord said, okay, that's the priesthood. Just go read the Bible. I'm not making this up. That's exactly what happened. They were faithful to God in a time of gross idolatry. And although Aaron had something to do with idolatry, he turned from that. He and, the lead, he and his family administered God's justice. And the Lord said, I'm going to make Aaron and his family the priest. And so here's how the Lord prepared him for service. Leviticus 8, the Lord spoke to Moses, Take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull, two rams, basket of unleavened bread. Gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. That was everybody. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Here's what happened to Aaron and his sons. Moses washed them publicly before he clothed them. What do you think happened then in the, prior to the clothing? And you think he washed them in their clothes? And then they put the holy garments on top of wet garments. What do you think happened? They stripped the priesthood naked before the entire congregation of Israel as preparation for the next great move. Who wants to be a high priest? Well, that job's taken. Who just wants to be a priest? Now, this is what Moses said. Verse 5. Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. I guess he did say that. Before he stripped them naked. (laughs) That's right. He said, it's not my idea, the way to do this. He said, do it. Humiliation is a great intersection. Nobody... Jumping and shouting this juncture of the, me- of the message. It's true, man. I'm telling you. Everybody knows what I look like. <laughs> Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Luke 16. Here's another intercept. How many of you are glad... God gives us these intersections. How many of you are sad that you're beginning to discover what they are? True riches. How many of you want the true riches? Luke 16. Therefore... If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? This is another intersection. What are the true riches? It's not money. You know, we can cancel that out. What, what would the true riches be? How about getting your boy saved? Your daughter? How about seeing a dreadfully sick person healed? How about having such... A powerful prophetic word or word of knowledge that someone's life that was headed for disaster is instantaneously and suddenly altered. Would that be a true riches? How about the fruit of the Spirit? Would that be true riches? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, personal generosity to pastors, faithfulness. <laughs> I have to help Byron out a little bit. Would that be true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who'll give you what's your own? How many of you want the true riches? You need to be faithful in something that's not your own. You need to be faithful in what is... Another man's. And you know the entire context of this is money. Let me be real blunt. It's M-O-N-E-Y. If you do not handle your money well, you will not be given true riches. Read Luke 16. Actually, what happens is, a steward comes back and says to, to uh, or the master comes back and says to a steward, uh, I understand you're not handling things well. You're fired. And before he got fired, he ran around and negotiated, reduced rates to all of the people that he was doing business with on the basis of his master. And Jesus came back and he basically says, Yeah, you did good. You need to provide yourself. Habitation. Like that. Now, Jesus was not commending the man. That's the kind of habitation he was going to have one of deceit, one of fraud, one of manipulation. But Jesus then comes back and he says this He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Jesus is saying the least is that. That He is placed within your hands on a daily basis. You see, we don't see this, but we are in an intersection with God every single day that we don't even recognize. We walk right by. We have doctrine to invalidate it. But He says plainly, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? I love that whole thing about a... a we don't understand the Lord. We don't really see as He sees. This amazes me, this whole thing about Cornelius. How many of you know who Cornelius is? Cornelius was the test case as to whether Gentiles could know the Lord and be saved. He was a Roman centurion. He was an oppressive, a commander of an occupational force who mistreated Israel. That's who Cornelius was. But the Bible tells us prior to his salvation, there was a memorial for Cornelius in where? Not purgatory. I don't think that exists. In heaven. Could you in your wildest imagination believe that there is some sort of a monument in heaven related to an unsaved occupational leader of an oppressive nation who mistreated Israel? And it's like, if you can picture this, let's say it was on a memorial as a tombstone or something. Some marker, the Lord walks by and the marker says, look at Cornelius. And he'd come back by and it would say, Cornelius gives to the poor on a regular basis out of the goodness of his heart. And the Lord's going, what's that doing in heaven? I'm in charge of heaven. He doesn't even know me. And he looks. You know, some of the people that startled the Lord the most were heathens. He said about another uh, 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 Roman centurion, "Greater faith have I not seen in all Israel." And so he—he, you could just see the Lord. Cornelius, centurion, cheerful giver. The Lord says, you know, I gotta do something about that. How am I gonna get him saved? None of my guys will even eat lunch with Gentiles. Never even you mind a Roman centurion, occupational Gentile. The Lord look back and say, but I, I can't do without him. Gives to the poor, does not even know me. So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to trick Peter. Peter's an easy touch. He does. If any, I can get Peter to do anything if you'll act impetuously. <laughs> Walk on the water, <laughs> cut off Malchus's ear, just imp. You know. So he lowers the. Sh- he waits till Peter is hungry, and then he shows him a menu of everything Peter has been taught. For thousands of years that he can't eat. And the Lord said, rise Peter, kill and eat. (laughs) And Peter says, no Lord, you have got this wrong. And the Lord pulls the sheep back up into heaven. He says, well, let's do it again. Lowers the sheep. Peter's hungrier. He's saying, I never even had any bacon. <laughs> Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord. You know that nothing unclean has ever passed through my lips. The sheet goes back up. Wonder how long the Lord waited. Well, he must have just, like, what if these animals were actually on plates, like, with garnishes and like, uh, Emil, you know that guy on the cook, how many watch cooking TV? You know, the way they prepare. Lower the sheet, rise, kill uh, And Peter says, no, no. And the Lord says, don't call unclean what I have purified. And then people come from Cornelius' house. Because what the Lord did, he said, I can't live without Cornelius. I've got to get him to change directions at this intersection. I'll send an angel. I can't do without him. God loves a cheerful giver. God cannot do without a cheerful giver. And so he sends an angel to Cornelius' house and they have to walk two days to get to Peter and the Lord does not even break Peter into this brand new life-changing revelation until two days after Cornelius sends those messengers. The Lord wouldn't worry a bit. He said, i got two days. I can do this in ten minutes. And so they come to the door and they say, Peter, there are two men down here. And the Lord says, you go with those men and you be quiet. You quit down. You just go down there with them. You can eat unclean stuff if I say it's clean. And he goes down to Cornelius' house and walks into Cornelius' house. He says, Hey, this is the first time I've ever been in a defiled habitation. And I have never, ever eaten the kind of stuff that you guys live on. But... I don't like this that much, but the Lord said, Preach you, Ribon Shonkai, Shambo Rubichi abashobas." The power of God hits all of them before Peter even gets them saved. They got filled with the Holy Ghost before Peter got them saved. <laughs> you go read it. You know why? Cornelius was faithful. Cornelius had a generous heart. See, our finances, what we do day in and day out, is an intersection to the Lord. One last one. One last one. Let me go back. The Word of God. How many of you have trouble with depression? I have trouble with depression sometimes. Get up in the morning and look at yourself. Go down the church and look at the list of people in trouble you're going to have to help. And you're thinking, you know, I didn't do anything to them. And i got to get them out of what they're in. Well, I woke up one morning depressed. I was on the way to the chiropractor to get healed. And I thought, how long am I going to put up with this? I said, I know what I'll do. I'll quote the Bible. And so I thought, of God are you in Christ Jesus? That's a good one. 1 Corinthians 1.30. I'm in Christ Jesus. God put me there. I'm there to stay. Of God are you in Christ Jesus? Then I thought about Romans 8, 1 and 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. For the law... I thought about it. For the law... No rhema word, no quickened pulse. The Bible, Romans 8, 1 and 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free. Does that become true when I have a rhema word about it? Or is that foundationally true? Although my experience does not comply with it. Foundationally true although my experience does not comply with it. So I thought, okay. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I started feeling a little better. And I went through a number of them. And then I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start prophesying over my city. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak in tongues a while. Nothing wrong with that. Got my chainsaw tongue going. You ever had tongues like that? That How many of you been to nations or heard people from nations and when they speak, it's so bizarre you think that can't be a language? That's a language. That was for God to so love the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And some, I don't know what it was, but. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to crank up my Holy Ghost chainsaw. And I'm going to cut my way out of this nasty, depressive situation I found myself in. Now, what happens to your chainsaw if you leave it up for a season? You have to come start it. You have to prime it. (laughs) rah 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 rah